0: Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. This is Mark Langley and today is Day 10 in our series. Today, as promised, we are going to proceed to the word Almighty in the first article of the Creed, I Believe in God the Father Almighty. And so we begin by turning to the Catechism on page 23 in my edition. uh, There is a subheading with quotation marks around the word Almighty or omnipotentem in Latin when we say credo in unum deum patrem omnipotentem. So we read from the Catechism, The sacred scriptures, in order to mark the piety and devotion with which the most holy name of God is to be adored, usually express his supreme power and infinite majesty in a variety of ways. But the pastor should first of all teach that almighty power is most frequently attributed to him. Thus, He says of himself, I am the Almighty Lord. And again, Jacob, when sending his sons to Joseph, thus prayed for them, May my Almighty God make him favorable to you. In the Apocalypse also it is written, The Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And in another place, the last day is called the Great Day of the Almighty God. Sometimes the same attribute is expressed in many words, thus no word shall be impossible with god is the hand of the lord unable thy power is at hand when thou wilt and so on and then the next subheading says that it goes into the meaning of the term almighty from these various modes of expression it is clearly perceived what is comprehended under this single word almighty by it we understand that there neither exists nor can be conceived in thought or imagination anything which God cannot do. For not only can he annihilate all created things, and in a moment summon from nothing into existence many other worlds, and exercise a power which which however great comes in some degree within our comprehension, but he can do many things still greater, of which the human mind can form no conception. But though God can do all things, yet he cannot lie, or deceive, or be deceived. He cannot sin, or cease to exist, or be ignorant of anything. These defects are compatible with those beings only whose actions are imperfect. But God, whose acts are always most perfect, is said to be incapable of such things. Simply because the capability of doing them implies weakness, not the supreme and infinite power over all things which God possesses. Thus, we so believe God to be omnipotent that we exclude from him entirely all that is not intimately connected and consistent with the perfection of his nature. And uh, we just make a few comments here. The uh, catechism explains carefully that um, sometimes people say, can God do anything? Uh, meaning, you know, can he literally do anything without uh, without uh, any sort of um, qualification? And... Of course, the the question invites us to say, or invites us to question the omnipotence of God. Because if we say, "Well, there are some things God can't do," for example, he can't he can't make a square circle, or he can't uh, lie, or things of this sort, we um, should know that these are not limitations on the power of God. So, for example, God cannot do something which contradicts being itself, or he cannot do something which is a contradiction in terms. And this doesn't imply any sort of weakness or lack of power. Um, And then when the catechism explains, nor can God lie or do something evil, um, that's not a limitation on his omnipotence either, because that, as the catechism explains, um, lying and doing anything which involves some kind of non-being, is really the action of, a, of weakness and not of power. So that's, a, um, that's an old question that comes up a lot, and children like to ask that uh, sort of thing as well. Can God, can God lie? Um, and we explain that in saying, no, God cannot lie. He can't be deceived. That's not any kind of limitation on his omnipotence. Uh, let's just continue a little further. The next section in the Catechism of the Council of Trent says, Why Omnipotence Alone is Mentioned in the Creed. The pastor should point out the propriety and wisdom of having omitted all other names of God in the Creed, and of having proposed to us only that of Almighty as the object of our belief. For by acknowledging God to be omnipotent, we also of necessity acknowledge him to be omniscient and to be and to hold all things in subjection to a supreme authority and dominion. When we do not doubt that he is omnipotent, we must be also convinced of everything else regarding him, the absence of which would render his omnipotence altogether unintelligible. Besides, nothing tends more to confirm our faith and animate our hope than a deep conviction that all things are possible to God. For whatever may be afterwards proposed as an object of faith, however great, however wonderful, however raised above the natural order, is easily and without hesitation believed, once the mind has grasped the knowledge of the omnipotence of God. Nay more, the greater the truths which the divine oracles announce, the more willingly does the mind deem them worthy of belief. And should we expect any favor from heaven, we are not discouraged by the greatness of the desired benefit, but are cheered and confirmed by frequently considering that there is nothing which an omnipotent God cannot do. The Catechism explains here that um, for anybody who reads the Summa, or I also have in front of me the uh, Compendium Theologiae, a shorter work, sometimes uh, I think it's been called the Shorter Summa, a book that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote for, I think, more sort of the lay person that may not have the time and energy to study the Summa Theologica, which is a mammoth work. Uh, We can grab for our compendium um, in which we can see that it follows uh, pretty much the same order of the Summa. In the first 24 or 25 uh, chapters in this book, Um, we see that St. Thomas addresses everything from the existence of God to his immobility to his eternity. Uh, the simplicity, the fact that uh, his unicity. And then it talks about God's infinity according to his essence. And, and then in chapter 19, the, the title of the chapter is The Infinite Power of God. And it's right about here where we see what the Catechism is saying. We're, we see that St. Thomas builds up to the omnipotence of God only after having spoken about all of these other attributes that belong to God, um, like his omniscience. And the, the fact that uh, he also talks about the fact that all perfections must be in God. Every perfection that we see in creatures, St. Thomas says, is contained supereminently in God. God has every perfection in creatures. To a in a in a super eminent way, and uh, his explanation for that, of course, is that since God is the first mover and the first cause, we must find that everything in creatures must be caused by God, and so all of the goodness and all of the perfection in creatures must be found in in the cause of those creatures, and added to the fact that the cause is always greater than the effect. And so we have to we we have to say that the um, all of the perfections of creatures, all of the powers and uh, everything that is good about them, may be found in God in a preeminent or supereminent way. Uh, one of the examples he gives of that gives of that is that uh, a teacher is the one who, in some sense, is instrumental in causing knowledge in his students. And uh, ordinarily we find that the teacher has the knowledge that he helps students to receive in a way that is um, in, a, in, a, in a higher degree than the students have it. And so that's one example he gives of how the perfections and creatures must exist in God first and in a higher, um, in a higher manner. Uh, interestingly, we, we might also quickly look at the article in which saint thomas talks about the omnipotence of god and he says that a thing's power is consequent upon a thing's essence but for if we if we know or if we have already proved that god's essence is infinite Therefore, it would follow that the power of God is infinite. And so that's one of the things he has to do to prove God's omnipotence, is to first talk about his essence. And um, so that's that's uh, interesting. Uh, and so, therefore, the Catechism says that when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, rather than, I believe in God, the Father, the Omniscient, or I believe in God, the Father, the Infinite, um, or I believe in God, the Father in whom all perfections exist. He says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That word Almighty contains an understanding of all of those prior attributes uh, that we understand about God before we understand his omnipotence. Uh, because to take away any of those other attributes would be to, would be to also take away his omnipotence. Um, maybe an example of that is something like uh, when I I tell my students that if I said I can lift a hundred pounds, and uh, they laugh because that's uh, not very much apparently. Um, but nonetheless, when I, when I say that I can lift 100 pounds, that, of course, includes the fact that I can lift everything underneath 100 pounds. I can lift 90 and 70 and 50. And so, therefore, just like that, when I say that God is omnipotent, that necessarily implies um, all of the uh, antecedent attributes of God, which in some way are uh, lesser or in some way um, build up to his omnipotence. Um, with that, let's just quickly finish up this this uh, paragraph on the omnipotence of God. Uh, the Catechism continues, The advantages of faith in God's omnipotence. What are the advantages of uh, knowing that God is omnipotent? It says, With his faith, then, we should be specially fortified whenever we are required to render any extraordinary service to our neighbor, or seek to obtain by prayer any favor from God. It's necessity in the one case we learn from the Lord himself, who when rebuking the incredulity of the apostles, said, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove from hence thither, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And in the other case from these words of St. James, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, which is moved and carried about by the wind. Therefore let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It continues, This faith brings with it also many advantages and helps. It forms us in the first place to all all humility and lowliness of mind, according to those words of the Prince of the Apostles. Be you humbled, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. It also teaches us not to fear when there is no cause of fear, but to fear God alone, in whose power we ourselves and all that we have are placed. For our Savior says, I will shew you whom you shall fear. Fear ye him who after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. This faith is also useful to enable us to know and exalt the infinite mercies of God toward us, for he who reflects on the omnipotence of God cannot be so ungrateful as not frequently to exclaim, "Exclaim, he that is mighty hath done great things to me. And finally, in the last paragraph on omnipotence, the catechism explains how this attribute should be attributed to God, um, not three almighties, but one almighty. When, however, in this article we call the Father Almighty, let no one be led into the error of thinking that this attribute is so ascribed to him as not to belong also to the Son and the Holy Ghost. As we say, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Ghost is God, and yet there are not three gods but one God. So in like manner, we confess that the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty, and yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. The Father, in particular, we call Almighty because He is the source of all being, as we also attribute wisdom to the Son because He is the eternal word of the Father, and goodness to the Holy Ghost because He is the love of both. These, however, and similar appellations may be given indiscriminately to the three persons according to the teaching of the Catholic faith. And so that's the section in the Catechism on the omnipotence of God. We say, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about the word creator and uh, the creator of heaven and earth and reflect on those words a little bit. Um, So I thank you very much. Thanks uh, for joining me in this episode of exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a year. I'm Mark Langley and thank you.